0: I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving, and wherever it is that you went, or if you stayed home and everyone came to you, we're going to be over in the book of Second Kings, chapter 3. There was a story that was told about Bishop Lindsay Davis. I am not a golfer, so his name does not ring a bell with me, but if you are a golfer, his name would probably ring a bell. he apparently won the green jacket over in Augusta during one of the times they... Uh, Had that. Well, he decided that his swing could use a little bit of work, and so he showed up at a golf pro shop over the summer, and he signed up for some lessons. He was greeted by what he thought would have been an old pro, but he was greeted by a young guy, a young pro, and the young pro took him on out to the golf course, and he had him swing and swing and swing and swing, and uh, he thought he was just basically wasting his time. He said, I don't know really what this is good for. He's not telling me anything to do. He's not changing me up and just we're just out here doing all this. Well, they were taking videos of it the whole time. And so after they got done, the young man took him into the pro shop and he took his image of him swinging. And he put it up on the screen and he let him watch himself swing from the from the outside. And then he he split the screen and he put the bishop on one side and he put Tiger Woods up on the other. And he let him swing and he let Tiger swing. And he says, now you look at the two. And he was examining the two next to each other. And he says, um, I notice a problem in your swing. And the man was looking at you know, him. He's a, he's a professional golfer. He won Augusta. What, what kind of a problem do you sing? He says, well, he kind of hem and hauled for a little while about it, trying to figure out how a good way to say this was. And he says, well, the best way I can say this is you have a stagnant butt. He says, if you really want to get the power out of your swing, you got to get your butt into it. (laughs) If you want to golf, your entire body apparently needs to be part of the swing and you can't leave any part of it out. We're going to walk with God. All of us needs to be in it. And God will sometimes come alongside us and tell us, wouldn't it be great if up on the split screen, we could have us in our walk and Jesus Christ in his. And split screen and say, all right, here's what Jesus did, here's what you're doing. Now try the display. That would make it so much easier, wouldn't it? Well, we don't quite have it that way, but we do have the helper who comes alongside of us and gives us wisdom when we need it. There are three types of wisdom we talked about. There is godly wisdom, which is infallible. There is devilish wisdom, which is immoral. And there is man's wisdom, which is inadequate. Everybody remember the box? We talked about it last week, that when we receive the box of wisdom, it generally comes like this. It's not labeled. We have to recognize that it is wisdom. But I was thinking about this box here this week, and I was in light of these these types of wisdom, that there is a devilish type of wisdom, there is a godly kind of wisdom, and there is a man kind of wisdom. We said the wisdom contains... Everybody remember what it contains? Understanding. I lose my table this week, so... Understanding contains discernment. True wisdom contains both understanding and discernment. This is what true wisdom has. Any other wisdom that would we would come by is... Empty. Any other wisdom we get is empty. There is a devilish wisdom. We looked at that with the life of Absalom. It will get the job done, but it lacks morals. There is a man kind of wisdom, which is inadequate. Neither of these contain discernment, the ability to understand what's important, or understanding the ability to know how things work. We saw the example of the wise, the simple, the foolish, and the scornful. The wise, in the example of the pasta sauce, the wise knows, tastes it, knows exactly what it needs. Needs a little more oregano, needs a little more whatever it might be. Garlic, everybody likes garlic. <laughs> garlic is a good thing. I don't know if you you, you know this, but I give garlic to my fish. You've got to plant it out if you're going to give garlic to your fish. I've got to pull the fish food out the night before, put it in a container with some... Some special water it has to be clean water, and then I got to pour this garlic solution into the fish food along with another product that by by uh it 's called Zoe <laughs> We put a few uh, few drops of that in there, and we soak it overnight, and when I put it in, I can smell the garlic, but it actually helps them it uh, and, and it does the same thing it does for you it boosts your immune system so garlic is good, put garlic in that sauce that's uh, that 's a good thing. That's the wise. The simple just know, hey, that's good sauce or that's bad sauce. That's all they know. They don't know why. They don't know what it's lacking. They just know it's good. The foolish, foolish people say what they feel. They don't think about future consequences. They just say what they feel. We saw that in the Word of God over in Proverbs. Foolish just says, well, that's the worst sauce I ever tasted. That's the foolish person. And the scornful, well, if you made it, there's no way it could be good. They got something About them in the scornful area. Last week we looked at four pillars of wisdom. The knowledge of God was the first, the fear of the Lord. The second, basically obeying what God says to do. Third, discerning what is valuable. And fourth, God-given understanding or revelation. Last week we looked a lot about reasoning. Without revelation, we rely on reasoning. Understanding comes by revelation. That's how we get understanding. Understanding comes by revelation. Revelation comes by the Spirit, to our spirit, by uh, by bringing light to the Word that we know. you got to study the Word. You've got to have Word in there that you know, and then the Spirit of God will come and bring understanding to that Word that you know. You're mulling over that Word. Father God, what does this Word mean? What is this? And you're mulling over it. You're mulling over it. You're not reasoning that with your mind. You're mulling over it, letting God speak to your spirit. The enemy then comes to steal the word that was sown. Saw that in the, par- in the parable. And confuse the revelation we have through reasonings. He's going to try and bring reasonings in to confuse the revelation. When God gives you revelation, you instantly understand the thing at hand. Instantly you have understanding of it. That's revelation. Whenever revelation comes, whether it's 3 a.m. in the morning... Whether it's when you're driving down the road, whether it's whether you're busy doing something. When revelation comes, go and write it down. Because you will understand it while you're in that realm of the Spirit for the instant. When you get out of it, you will be devoid of the understanding. If you did not write it down, you won't get it back. And don't go crying to God. God says, if you called it valuable, you would have stopped. You decided to drive into your place you were going was more important than the revelation I was giving you. When revelation comes, it can save you weeks. Take the time. When he speaks, write it down. It is imperative. I want to take a look at a passage of Scripture. We did look at this last year, but we're going to look at it again. It's actually a little bit more than a year ago. It is just a, a wonderful story, We're looking at a little different aspect than we did last year. But in 2 Kings chapter 3, Now Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel at Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And he reigned 12 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and mother, for he put away the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had made. Y'all know Ahab was a bad guy. Nevertheless, he persisted in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, who had made Israel sin, he did not depart from them. Now, the sins of Jeroboam was perverting the worship of Jehovah. They still worshiped Jehovah, but they perverted it. They worshiped God in their own way, not the way that he said. Now, Mesha, remember, they set up their own places of worship. They set up their own altars. You don't have to go to Jerusalem anymore. They set up their own feast days. They don't have to do the ones that the Bible told them about anymore. Now, Mesha King of Moab was a sheep breeder, and he regularly paid the king of Israel one hundred thousand lambs and the wool of one hundred thousand rams. It happened when Ahab died that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So King Jehoram went out of Samaria at the time and mustered all Israel. Then he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, saying, "The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab?" And he said, "I will go up. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses." We have looked at Jehoshaphat before, and Jehoshaphat did a lot of good things, but his associations were not very good. Be careful of associations. Remember, as we've been going through this series, the enemy tries to break associations that are helping you by stirring up strife, by causing discontent, by sowing things in your heart that shouldn't be there getting you to meditate on things that shouldn't be there. We saw a lot of people in the Bible that when they became associated with certain ones, they grew and became prominent. When they separated that, they went into a wrong way. Most, uh, most uh, recently, we looked at um, uh, Ahithophel. He was nobody until he associated himself with David. Then he became, like they said of him, if you sought his counsel, it was like talking with God. As soon as he left the association with, Dan- with David... He spoke out of his mouth wisdom that came from the devil. It lacked morals. Got the job done, but it lacked morals. Do be careful of the associations. Keep God associations in your life. They are imperative. You have to maintain them. There are some things that come up and sometimes they try, uh, the enemy comes and tries to tear them down. And you'll get mad and you'll want to separate. Don't do it. There's people in the Bible that, that did that. We looked also at Abraham. Remember the association Abraham had? With Lot, and when Lot was associated with Abraham, what happened with Lot? Prospered. What happened when Lot separated? Lost everything. Be careful. Those associations are incredibly important. The devil knows it and will try and cut them off. So Je- Jehoshaphat is one who has a problem with this uh, association. He, uh, he shouldn't be here. But, of course, if you remember, we got into this last year. We talked about the marriage that he had. He took his daughter married her over to the king of Israel's son. And, and they're kind of joined now. And that was a bad thing to do. So Moab has rebelled. And if you wonder why Judah will get involved with Israel's battle, it's simply because a weakened Moab benefits Judah as much as it does Israel. So they joined in. Then he said, which way shall we go up? Because there's two ways they can go. They can go straight over the Jordan River, or they can go around and go up through the, uh, go down the south and come up through the way of Edom. And he answered by way of the wilderness of Edom. Now by doing this, Edom was a servant of Israel, and they could pick up more forces. And they actually do. They pick up the king of Edom and his forces, and they go in as three kings. So the king of Israel went up with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout route seven days. And there was no water for the army, nor for the animals that followed them. So apparently they made the the plan to take them. If you're going to go on a long journey with a bunch of guys, you better bring some food. And we're not talking vegetables. If you're going to go on a journey with a bunch of guys, they want meat. No different than today. They want meat. So you got to bring some meat. So that's stuff that's uh, walking behind. And meat has to drink water. Because you got to keep it alive. Because there was no refrigeration. They got to keep it alive. So when you're ready to eat it, you kill it and you eat it and so forth. So there's no water. They went a long roundabout way and they didn't plan on bringing enough water. It didn't sound like they thought this thing through all the way. So they say, which way should we go up? Well, first off, they asked each other. Which way do you think we ought to go up? Well, I don't know. Which way you think we ought to go up? I don't know. to go down south. All right, let's go down south. They picked a way that was low on resources. And they didn't plan to overcome the problems. Now, you can pick a way to go about something that is low on resources as long as you plan to overcome the lack of resources. you got to bring enough water. You've got to bring enough uh, substance. You've got to bring enough uh, things to, to, to overcome the problem. Because uh, fighting men fight better when there's water. They just do better that way. So after a seven-day journey, they were out of water. I don't know. I have know of uh, people that have gone on longer journeys in the Bible and they didn't run out of water. Maybe they had water along the way. But uh, it seems like these guys really didn't plan it out. Verse 10. And the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Anybody, did we miss the part where they sought after God? Must have, honey. I only saw them asking each other, What do you think we ought to do? Which way do you think we ought to go? I didn't see them ask God, God, should we go out and fight this battle? I didn't hear them say anything like that. They said, for the Lord has called them. Well, first off, God didn't commission them, did he? Did God say, go on down there and do that? God didn't advise them. Hey, take this way, go this way. And God didn't direct them. But God's going to get blamed for it. It's No different than today. Many times Christians will make a decision. They'll go in a certain direction. They'll do a certain thing. It doesn't work out. And what do they do? Well, God, you brought us here to deliver us into the hand of the land of Moab. No, he didn't. He didn't call you to be here at all. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? He's asked this before, hasn't he? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. They called for Elisha, who was close by. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. (laughs) But the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Just because you believe something strongly doesn't mean that you believe what is right. He must believe this strongly. He is saying it to the prophet. So he believes it. But just because people believe something doesn't mean that they're right. You can believe something and be very wrong. And Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. We talked about this verse before, but sometimes we have questions about people that are in leadership in this country or in other countries. And if a person is in leadership, did God put them there? Does God have certain things? And the answer is no. There are many people in leadership that God despises. That God does not like and God does not want there. You know who put them there? People. Look at what Elisha says. This is the prophet. As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. He's speaking not to the king of Israel. This is the king of Israel who is not as bad as Ahab. This is the king of Israel who got rid of some of the idol worship and restored a false worship of uh, Jehovah. This is what God said. I wouldn't even be here looking at you right now. The only reason I'm here is because Jehoshaphat's here and I have regard for him. So that's God's view of leaders. Now notice this. He said, were not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat. He says the presence, not the judgment. Jehoshaphat does not exercise very good judgment here. You may be a person in your life. You may have exercised bad judgment. God still will regard your presence. He may not regard your judgment. (laughs) But thank God he still regards our presence. (laughs) But the king of Israel, his presence means nothing to God. He understands his judgment is going to be wrong because he's not a follower of God. He may on the surface appear to be, but it's a false worship of God and he has no regard for it says in verse 15, But now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. Elisha, that's why musicians are, are important. We've seen this happen not only with Elisha, we saw it with David, that the, there's, there's a work that comes through music. There's a work that God does through music. There's an anointing on music. Make sure you press into that anointing. Don't just play notes. Get into that anointing. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. Elisha calls for a musician to get him in the spirit. That's why we come in here when we start worship at 10 o'clock. Why? Get us in that, in that place. It's important. I thank God for our worship team that seeks after the anointing of God. Gives us that presence of, of God. We don't just come in here just to sing songs. We come in here to worship. And that's what Elisha was calling for. So he, he plays and then, here, then he said, Thus says the Lord. What are they getting? Revelation. Thus says the Lord. Make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, You shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that your, you and your cattle and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. So here's what he says. Make this valley full of ditches. I love this story because God is telling him to do something that makes absolutely no sense. If you, you will, you will not do this if you reason. Reasoning would come in. The enemy would bring reasonings in and then you would take the revelation that God gave you and you would reason it out. And you would let it go. Now, dig ditches? What good are ditches? We need water. We're not talking about wells. We're talking about ditches. We don't need ditches. We're already thirsty. Why are we going to go out and dig holes? You know, if you're thirsty, digging a hole is not the best thing to do. That's the bad thing to do. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water so that you and your cattle and your animals may drink. So he's telling them what will happen. Sometimes God just says, do this. Why? Just do it. <laughs> but why? <laughs> do it. If you've ever raised a a toddler two, three years old, the most thing, most common thing out of their mouth is why? Why? Whatever it is you tell them to do. Why? why? And if you tell them why, they'll say why? 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 And if you tell them why again, they'll say until finally you get to the point that you say what? Because I said so. (laughs) Right. (laughs) they are tired of answering why I want obedience out of this. We sometimes do the same thing with God. We ask why, and he tells he gives us a valid reason. We're not ready to do it. Well, you shall see wind. You shall not see wind. You shall not see rain. Yet this valley shall be filled with water, so that you and your cattle and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. So not only are you going to get water, but if you do this, the Moabites will be delivered to you. Also, you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by way of Edom and the land was filled with water. If you want to do a little look up on something, you can look this up. This is a natural phenomenon. that happens. It doesn't happen all the time. But rain north of them would come on down, would fill up the, the, the area, and the water would just flow on down like a flash flood, and it would come by here. It filled up the ditches. And the rest of the water kept on going. What was in the ditches stayed there. They can come in there and, and drink. Now, it happened in the morning. Well, we read that one. Uh, verse 21. And when all the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against them, all who were able to bear arms and odor were gathered. And they stood at the border. And they rose up early in the morning. And the sun was shining on the water. And the Moabites saw the water on the other side as red as blood. And they said, This is the blood. The kings have surely struck swords and have killed one another. Now, therefore, Moab to the spoil. So when they came to the camp of Israel, Israel rose up and attacked the Moabites. They weren't expecting a fight. They came down to collect spoil. So that they fled before them and they entered their land, killing the Moabites. Then they destroyed the cities and each man threw a stone on every good piece of land and filled it. And they stopped up all the springs of water and cut down all the good trees. But they left the stones of Ker-Hashith intact. However, the slingers (coughs) surrounded and attacked it. And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, he took with him 700 men who drew swords to break through the king of Edom, but they could not. Then he took his eldest son who would have reigned in his place and offered him as a burnt offering upon the wall. And there was great indignation against Israel, so they departed from him and returned to their own land. So they saw something really gross and really despicable, and they just turned away. God told them to do something. They did almost all of it except for this one little spot, then they stopped because, well, that was, that was nasty. They went away. They should have kept going, but they didn't. They stopped at that point and um, did most of what God said, but again, not quite. Well, God gave them revelation. They sought after God, and God gave them revelation on what to do and how to do it. This is something we need to come to expect in our life as well. We looked last week at Adam and Eve back in the garden. God gave them revelation. All the trees of the field, all the trees of the garden, they're all for you. Except this one. This one right here? Nope. Don't eat it. Don't eat this fruit. But he also told them about the tree of life. And they hadn't gone and taken the tree of life yet either. He gave them understanding. He gave them wisdom on the matter. The devil came in and through reasonings began to question that revelation. He began to question that wisdom. And through reasonings, they embraced A thought and then an action and they began to do something they shouldn't have done. We have done sometimes the same thing, but God wants to help us. How many of us have situations that we need help with life situations, financial situations, health situations, relationship situations, personal situations, work situations? We have situations that are not quite going the way we want them to go and we need some help and God wants to give us some help. He wants to give us some revelation on it. In Matthew 16:17, we read this before. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has been revealed to him. Revelation comes to your spirit. Revelation will come to your spirit, not to our heads. That is reasonings. Reasonings will come to your head. Revelation comes to your spirit. What happens with a lot of Christians is Revelation has come to their spirit on a matter. They feed it to their head and the reasonings corrupted. And they end up doing something different. Here's a story for you. Saul goes off to battle with, a, with an instruction from God. wipe them all out. And he comes back and he says, well, the people wanted to preserve the best of the land as a sacrifice. And God wasn't too pleased with that, was he? What happened? We took the instruction, we took the wisdom that God told us to follow. We brought it to our head and we reasoned it out. Well, does God want all? What about some of the best of these things? Shouldn't we take some of the best things and shouldn't we do that? What about Achan? Didn't Achan have the same word that everyone else had? What happened with him? He reasoned, well, this is not going to do anybody any good. And I said, I take it myself, and it's going to help me out. And he reasoned among himself as to why it would be beneficial. A lot of times we reason things, and we we don't get the full benefit of it. And we've got to quit reasoning and do what it is that God has said to do. I gave you five things here that we need to do when revelation comes. Five things. If you do four of these things, you will fail. If you do three of these things, you will fail. If you do two of these things, you will fail. If you only do one of these things, you will certainly fail. You cannot succeed unless you do all five. All five are necessary. They are progressive steps. I thought I had this last night, and I came back in this morning, and it didn't work. So I had to go back, and all right, we're 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 missing something on here, and so... um we added an extra step. Oh, that's what it was needed. Yeah, now it made sense. Here it is. Now this is going to form an acronym for you just so you can remember it. Because anything we need to do, we need to make sure we remember. It took me a little while to make this one work as an acronym. <laughs> it worked better last night. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't quite right. <laughs> so it works better here today. And here's the thing. It's an uh, acronym of shape. Hey, cause we, how many of y'all want to get in shape? Yeah. What happens when you get in shape? You feel better. What happens once once you get in shape, are you always in shape? No. What happens if you stop doing the things that got you into shape? You get out of shape. So in shape is a state that you will stay in as long as you do the things that keep you in shape. If you stop doing them, you get out of shape. All right. There it is. First thing we gotta do when revelation for revelation is first thing you gotta do is seek it. You gotta ask God. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God. You gotta seek it. If you got, got uh, knowledge on the thing, you gotta seek after God. God, I need wisdom. I need understanding. How does this thing affect me? How does this thing work? First thing you gotta do is seek. Second thing you gotta do is hear. Now, I don't just mean listen. We mean hear it. You gotta hear what is said. When the disciples heard Jesus say, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they didn't hear it. They were listening. They heard noise. (laughs) But they didn't hear it. They didn't hear what he was saying. You gotta hear it. You gotta hear it with your spiritual ears. Jesus, one of his most common phrases was, For him who has ears to hear, let him hear. One of my favorite musical artists in the Christian realm when I was growing up wrote an entire album wrote a song, but wrote a named the whole album it. For him who has ears to hear. Keith Green, if you don't know that. I still play to this day. Seek Here, here's the third step, accept. I must accept what God speaks to me as truth. I cannot reason it out. I cannot figure it out. I need to recognize when something comes to my spirit and accept it. All right, well, that's God. I know that's from God. I need to accept that now. We need to do the next thing. Reasonings will stop you from accepting this. You know, put put an end to it right there. Here's the third one, the fourth one. Seek, hear, accept, perform. You need to do it. It doesn't do any good to hear stuff that you don't do. People can give you great wisdom on your finances. And until you do it, it ain't gonna help you. People can give you great wisdom on the things to do to get you in good health. Till you do it, it ain't gonna help you. Nothing works. Until you do it. <laughs> you got to do it. So seek, hear, accept, perform. Here's the third one. Endure. Once you start doing what God said to do, the enemy will come against you to get you to stop. This is unfortunately A lot of Christians lose the battle here. They may get through one, two, three, and four, and they get to the part of endurance, and they have no endurance. The Word of God talks about that. He says, You need to have patience. You need to have endurance. You need to have the have the ability that under trial you stay with the thing that God told you to do. I would say that if most Christians miss it, they're going to miss it here. They like, I heard I know I heard from God and I did it. It just doesn't seem to work anymore. You didn't endure. You gotta endure. You gotta endure. I got a story I want to share with you. I've been building up on this one for a little while. When wasn't, the wasn't good time was to, to share it, uh, but I know it's still developing it, still getting it ready. I told some folks on Wednesday night we'll, we'll be sharing this eventually, and um, but I just want to let you know. Now you all know that one of the things that, that is instrumental in my life from the time that I was in high school on was running. It was that was just the thing that I love to do. Now I've I been. Mean, uh, since I'm getting out of college, running has been an on-and-off thing. Sometimes I had time to do it. Sometimes I didn't have time to do it. Sometimes my body didn't always respond to it, real well. Um, this isn't the recent story, but in, I've shared this with you before. But some time ago, uh, back in college, I injured a foot. They told me the only way to fix it was to break them. I'd have to break both feet. They said you'll be in a cast for six months. I didn't like that. They said there is another way to go, and we, said, we can put you in orthotics. You just have to wear orthotics the rest of your life. That sounded easier. So I got a pair of orthotics. I still wear them today. I have orthotics on. But the problem was that the problem with the feet got worse. It got so bad, I, I couldn't go barefoot. Now, that impacted me because what my favorite place in the world outside of here, you know my favorite place in the world is Ocean City, New Jersey. And when you go down to Ocean City, New Jersey, you go out on the beach, you don't wear shoes. You wear bare feet. And my time was limited how long I could bear, wear, uh, be on bare feet out in, the, in there. But uh, we took the family out on a vacation one time, and I didn't realize this was a problem. And we went out to uh, the parks down in Florida. We stayed with uh, my, my wife's grandparents, and then we drove one over to the parks, and we stayed there. I found out that the problem had gotten so bad, I couldn't stand for long periods of time. Found that out because we stood in line for long periods of time. You know, you're in line for an hour. You're in line for an hour. I mean, it hurt so bad. Oh, did it hurt. That I eventually had to just say, look, you got to leave me alone. Go out there and do what you want to do. Just let me sit here. And we went through. And we survived the vacation. I came on back. and I just was shocked. I can't, I cannot stand for long periods of time. And so we decided to go on back. I'm not sure why. We decided to go on back another year. Everybody wanted to go, but they weren't down there anymore. And so we stayed at this uh, time resort. I don't know how. I forget how it is. We, we got the the time resort, the, 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 the thing. But, you know, it's a much nicer place than just staying in a hotel. And they had a nice big uh, facility there and basketball courts and tennis courts and all sorts of stuff. So we went on over there. And I, before we left, I told them all, I said, look, I know what will happen to me standing in line. So you just have to well, go as long as you give me the freedom that when I say I'm done, you let me sit down on a park bench somewhere and leave me alone until the day is over. And just let me sit there. Don't feel bad about me sitting there. Just let me sit there. And so it, it didn't take till sometimes 10, 10, 30. I was sitting down because I couldn't stand. I couldn't walk anymore. Could not walk. It was so bad. So we came on back to the uh, hotel this particular time. And I saw a bunch of young guys, younger than me, out on the basketball court playing basketball. And I just got this thing on the inside of me. Go out there and play some basketball. I said, dear Lord, I can't even walk. I gotta save myself up for tomorrow to try and stand for as long as I can. Go out there and play basketball. Go out there and play basketball. So I went out there and played some basketball. After playing basketball for a while, I did remarkably better. My wife even said, How is it that you can't stand in line but you can play basketball? I said, I do not know. Because it looked like you're faking it. You know, all right, you got you got a feet to do that, but you don't have feet to do that. Well, Revelation came to me that it actually helped to run. That's that's a neat revelation that actually helped to run. And so we, I, I learned that. And so I found out, all right, well, if I am start having problems, well, I just need to go out there and run some more. And sure enough, I go out there and run and start to, to level it all out and take care of it. I mean, it, it's like a, a, an overweight person, the cure is eating. It's just like that. I mean, it's just like do something that you love. Go out there and run. So we did that another time that uh, we were down in Oklahoma, I think one year, because I was having a hard time with shoes. Only certain shoes could I wear. And I was a real hard time with shoes. And up in my spirit came, go out there and, and, and get yourself some of those boots. And I, I brushed it off. Didn't do it. Well, the only place you go, you don't buy boots up here. They don't sell boots up here. Not real ones. Fake ones. They don't sell real ones. So I didn't, uh, I didn't do it. The next year we went on out there and it came up in my spirit again. I shared it with my wife that time. And she said, well, let's go. So she went out, the whole family went out, and we spent, how long was it, hour and a half, two hours? It was long. I said, dear Lord, I cannot find a pair of boots that work. I, I knew this came up in my spirit, but it wasn't working. We kept it out there. I tried, you don't know how many, at least 30, at least 30, maybe more. We're looking around, we'll try this one. Oh, this one doesn't work. But we came upon finally one. My feet were so sore from trying on the boots. But finally we came to one, I said, holy cow. I can walk in this and not be mindful of what's going on with my feet, and so I put the uh, put it on. We walked out with them. To this day, I still have the same—not the same pair. I, this is my third pair of of them. Um, I don't know how long ago that was. It had to be at least a dozen years ago or something like that. And um, every couple of years, we swap out and get a new pair. Get the uh, get the same exact ones. I even called them up one time. I says, "I don't know what it is about these boots." Mm-hmm. And they say, well, we measured the heel, we measured the, the... We don't know, but this one works. You let me know if you're going to get rid of this boot, I'll buy an <laughs> extra one. But unfortunately, you can repair them and so forth. But anyway, we, we kinda, I kind of got out of uh, having the time for running and was playing hockey most of the time. And hockey seemed to help, but it was only once a week. And um, but I, I, So I tried to run some more, and my knee kept bothering me. Every time I go out and run, it wasn't my foot that was keeping me, my knee kept acting up, having some trouble. So I wasn't doing it. Well, one time uh, over the summer, Christian and I, we went out a, on a bunk bed delivery. And we uh, delivered this bed. And on the way home, we were talking about it. And he was talking to me about running, that he was running more. And uh, he just, he didn't tell me how much he was running. But uh, he said, well, you know, I uh, last time I ran, I ran three times around the park. I'm thinking it's the park that we go up and we do intervals on. Three times around that park is a mile and a half. All right, well, that's good. You know, It's, a, it's about a mile up there, a mile and a half around there. That's good, good running. He, no, 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 not that park. He says, the lake. I said to him, you ran three times around the lake? He says, yeah. I said, that's 18 miles. He said, yeah, I ran a little bit further than that too. But I said, you're running that far? He says, yeah. I said, we need to get you some serious running shoes because he didn't have serious. He had good running shoes. He didn't have serious ones. I said, so we, uh, on the way home, we actually stopped by the running store. My favorite running store. These guys know what they're doing. We sat him on down there and we had him, uh, they, they showed him a couple of pairs and uh, we, we got him fixed up with some, some good running shoes that he said, wow, these guys really make a difference and he's out there. I mean, he was running some miles. He needs some running shoes. So he's got some, uh, some good ones. And, uh, but at that time, he wasn't quite ready to get them because he had a coupon to get one over at uh, Sports Authority. But they spent a lot of time with us and I didn't want to just walk out of there and not buy anything. But I'm not running. Not this time. I'm just playing hockey. So I asked him. I said, "Look, I said I'd, I'd like to be able to run again. Every time I start, my knee gives me trouble." And um, I said, "Is there anything that you know I can do with that? Is there a, maybe a better shoe or something like that?" Well, we didn't. This, the shoes had gotten better. Of course, they're always getting better. But they said, "Try this strap out." And so they gave me this strap, and I, I said, "All right, I will try that out." And so I bought a pair of shoes from them to go out there and, and try and run with, and put this this strap on. And I went out and run. And wow. That made a difference. And so I ran some more. Now I eased into it. I did it about three, four more times a week I was running. And you know, for a week or two. And then the next week I was five or six times a week. For four or five times a week I was running. And then I did that for a couple weeks. And then I was five or six times a week. And then I got to a point where I was almost six days a week running. I started out kind of small. I just was running four miles at a time. And uh I've increased it quite a bit since then. So I'm running a lot more miles per per. We're still not running what I did in cross country, but I'm happy. And, um, kept, kept on running. And this thing just seemed to, to make it stronger. And this came up in my spirit. He said, the more you use that knee, the stronger it's going to get. I said, really? Well, remember, I told you before, after revelation on something like that came up, I was directed to an article. I was directed to an article, not more than a week or two afterwards, um, Uh, a running magazine that most people won't won't look at or or see. But they did this uh, article on the thing. They said, uh, your body actually shuts down sending nutrients to joints you no longer use. I said, wow, that's like what I heard in my spirit the other day. That the more I use it, the better it is. He says, the more that you put a demand on it, the more your body sends nutrients, fluids, and things like that to get the, the joint going. And you can actually take a bad joint... And get it strong again, simply by using it, he says, "But you have to be careful if you do it too fast, you put too much stress on before the lubricants, before all the stuff is built up and and you 'll hurt it. You have to be smart and then I understood a little bit more about the junk miles the the bad miles. so this came up in my spirit now, I was out there running sometimes i'll tell you what sometimes I run. There's was one day I, I went out and run, and I was three-quarters of a mile into the run. That's not far. Just three-quarters of a mile into the run, and my knee hurt like, oh, it it hurt so bad. I said, it was moving around on me. It was doing stuff, and I, said, I, I may have to just turn around and go back. But this is a phrase that I've used many times, and you ought to use it as well. I have always, when I look at myself in the mirror, I see myself as a few things. You ought to see yourself as a few things. You ought to see yourself as a Christian. You ought to see yourself as a spirit-filled Christian. You ought to see yourself as called of God. And then you ought to tell yourself what it is that you are, what it is you do. So I'll go out there and I run, and I would say this to myself. I am a runner. Runners run. I'd simply say that. I am a runner. Runners run. And I ran. I said, I'm not turning around. I'm going. Endurance. You must endure. You must endure. So I kept on going. Finished the thing out without a problem at all. Kept on going. Now, here's a, a real fun one. I got out. O- Ocean City, my favorite place in the world. And I like to run on the boardwalk whenever I have to bid delivery out there. So I was all strapped in, ready to go. I was ready. To go. I was finishing up the last bunk bed. Stop. Now, I get to go out to Ocean City and run on the boardwalk and the beach. Oh, this is good. I'm looking forward to it. So I'm driving the truck on over. All of a sudden, I'm doing my inventory. You know, I brought my shoes. I brought my shorts. I brought all the different stuff. I didn't bring the strap. So I looked up on my phone, and I found a running store. Oh, they'll have the strap. Running store is closed. It is gone. They didn't move. They are gone. All right, well, there's another running store. There was one down in Ocean City. So I drive in Ocean City. I find a parking place. I get on over to the the guy. Oh, we don't have those. He said, but there's a pharmacy down the road. They might have it. So I went over to the pharmacy. Well, they didn't have exactly the same one. I added one that was similar. I strapped that on, and I went. it was different, though. I got all the way out, as far out as I was going to go. And it wasn't quite working right. I took it off to try and adjust it. And oh, man, that thing just, it felt like it swelled up. It felt like, I wonder if I can even make it home. Strapped it back on again and got to going. Well, the, the knee has gotten strong enough now. I've actually done some runs without it. He, but you gotta, you gotta listen to what God says. Now here's the thing. You all have certain issues. You have certain things that you want to do. And what we want to do is we just want to come in and have hands laid on us and going home. And have no responsibility on the thing. Right? That's, that's the way we just you know, do your thing and I'm going home. That's not always the thing. 1 Timothy 5 verse 23. Paul writing to Timothy. No longer drink only water. But use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities, weaknesses, is what he's saying. He was telling them there's a natural cure for what it is that you go through. Now do it. There's a natural cure for what it is that you go through. You don't have to battle what it is that you you battle. God has created your body to to replenish itself and to fix itself. But here's the thing. You've got to listen to what God is telling you to do not always are you going to want to do it not always is it going to be a cure like it is for me Steve go run glory to God <laughs> I'm ready because you know so I, I I'm in the shop I'm standing I'm looking for what kind of a run am I going to do today where am I going to go am I going to go fast am I going to go far what am I going to do and I just think about that the whole time. What time do I get to go? It's almost time. It's almost time. I get to go around. I get to go. I look forward to it, especially when it's hot. Not as much when it's cold, but especially when it's hot. But not always will God tell you things to do that you like. And when, I, when he told me about those boots, we had to endure. My family had to endure. <laughs> and they weren't even getting any benefit out of it. <laughs> it's just me. But there, there was an endurance that was, that was there. That you had to stay with it when God gives you a revelation on a thing and you accept it as the revelation, and God has spoken to you, do this Amen. you need to do it. Amen. you need not reason it out in your heart just to figure out, well why shouldn't I do that? Mm-hmm. You need to do it, and if you do it for a week or two that's <laughs> uh, not, not good. we started this went to a scripture now I looked it up. I think it was um, I think it was June is when I took him out, I am now running the amount of miles per week that is considered to be the minimum for a marathon trainer. I don't consider it to be the minimum for a marathon trainer. <laughs> but I was reading an article, some guys were talking about, if you're running this far per week, you, that's, that's good enough for a marathon. I said, I don't think so, but okay. What has God told you to do? You've got to stick with it. When God has told you to do something, you've got to stay with it. How many of you have a physical problem that just keeps... Chronically being around. It just doesn't seem to go away. God will speak wisdom to you. Now, the word of God in James says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Who's God going to give the wisdom to? You. Do not ask someone else. Will you seek God on me and get wisdom? No. You need to receive it. You need to seek it. You need to ask for it. You need to hear it. You need to accept it. You're the one who needs to put it into practice. It's not always going to be easy going. There are times it's going to be tough. But it's all right. You keep going. You've got to learn to listen to your spirit. The development of your human spirit is essential to your life. You've got to develop it. You've got to get it ready. You've got to begin to hear stuff. And the faster you can hear things, the better it is for you. So you may have, the Spirit of God may come up on the inside of you sometimes and say, stop drinking that. Because what what Brother Hagin would tell us this story. One time he would tell him, don't drink any more tea or coffee or something like that. And he liked tea. I don't remember if he liked coffee or not, but I think he did. Don't drink any more tea or coffee. And he, and he quit. He didn't ask why. Spirit, revelation came to him. Don't do it. And he quit doing it. Then a few weeks later, a month later, God said, "Go ahead, you can drink it again." Well, why was that? Why would God do that? Because God knows what's going on in your body. He made it, and if you listen to Him, He will tell you some things to do. He'll tell you, He'll tell you some things to eat. You may not realize this. You know all the stuff I, I talk about. There have been times during this training process of, of getting things going again. God has told me eat salads. So, you know what I did? I eat salads. <laughs> yeah, I eat salads. I forget. I think I was during the uh, the time when my my wife was up with my daughter almost all the week. And God said, "Eat salads." So I eat salads. I went over to Wendy's. I got a salad. I went over to Subway or uh, when the the salad works. I got a salad. I eat salads. That's what God says to do. That's what you do. <laughs> you you Listen. Now I'm not eating salads all the time right now. But if He tells me to do it again, I'll I'll just eat salads. That's all right you got to listen to what God says to do. Because God will come up and He'll just tell you, do this. Don't sit there and ask for why. Learn how to recognize the voice of God speaking to your spirit. He wants to help you get rid of headaches. He wants to help you get rid of weight that you might want to get rid of. He wants to help you. On a, for a while, I needed to gain weight. Now, I just don't care. I just do whatever it is. It, it don't matter to me. I I think the last I weighed in, I was somewhere between 160, 163, something like that, somewhere in in, in that neck of the woods. It it doesn't make too much difference. But uh, for a while, I wanted to gain weight. I was trying, oh, I tried hard to gain weight. My body did not want to gain it. Of course, my trainer just said, you need to cut back on your miles. At that time, I was running 70 miles a week. He says it's hard to gain weight when you're running that much. Yeah, probably is probably is tough. But what did you want? What do you want to do? Do you know that if you're not sleeping right at night, some of it can be diet. Some of it can be worry and anxiety. Some of it can be your prayer life isn't up to par. Some of it is the music you're listening to. The books that you're reading. The news that you're addicted to. It can be all kinds of things. And your spirit, is, and while you're while you're watching, reading, doing the thing, your spirit is telling you, don't. Don't. You're not listening to it. Turned it off. You turn off that avenue from the spirit, it'll stop you from having the blessings. Now there are some things that you're going through physically, and God wants you to overcome them. Uh, Pastor Bob, Pastor Bob Yanyon told us a story one time he was out, I think he was, on, he was out on vacation or he was out somewhere. Anyway, he was in a hospital and um, he had to go to the hospital. He had a tumor. And um, God told him, he says, yes, you have a tumor. Go to the hospital, have them operate on it. He says, when they operate on it, they will find it's encapsulated. It'll take them an hour and a half and you'll be, uh, there'll be no, no lingering effects afterwards. And so he said he was going under and the, uh, he was over at the City of Faith I think the city of faith was uh, functioning at that time. So they had a lot of Christian doctors there. And the doctors were telling him, he says, "Uh, we're praying for you. And uh, he was still not under the anesthesia. He says, no, I'm praying for you. You have the knife. (laughs) And he says, well, it'll be about a two and a half hour surgery. And then we'll find out, you know, when we get in there, what the uh, tumor looks like. And and Pastor Bob told him, he says, no, it'll be an hour and a half surgery. When you get in there, you will find us encapsulated and you'll get it all out. And they put him under. And when he came back, it was an hour and a half surgery. They found it all encapsulated, and they got it all out. He heard that in the spirit. You're going to hear some things in your spirit, some things to do. Brother Hagin, if you ever never read his healing story, pick up that book. I don't know if we have it here, but you can get it digitally now. Uh, I Believe in Visions. Fantastic book. If you never read Brother Hagin's book, I Believe in Visions, you ought to get that and read it. One of my favorite books he ever wrote. But he tells about his healing story. Uh, How he learned God spoke to his spirit all through that process to help him learn things. That's when he heard that part when he said, God, I I believe, you know, I believe you stood right here. I tell you, I have faith. And God told him down in his spirit. He says, you have faith as far as you know. That's a powerful statement. And yeah, we had to learn more. We had to to learn some stuff. But uh, God told him when he's on the on the bed, he, he realized I'm healed. And then God came up in his spirit and says, well, people don't stay in bed till 10 o'clock in the morning. He says, you're right. And he got up. (laughs) It's a great story. I won't tell you any more of it. If you haven't read it yet, you you ought to get that book and read it. It is fantastic. You need to learn how to listen to your spirit. God will give you wisdom, not just for the big things, but everything. He will give you wisdom throughout the day. He will speak revelation to you. It will become second nature. You will just listen to your spirit. When he says turn, you turn. When he says go, you go. When he says stop, you stop. There was a particular uh, family I heard. I remember that tsunami that hit, um, not, I don't know if it was Japan or it was the, uh, the other one. Uh, I think it was, what was the other one? Taiwan? Is it Taiwan? Um, Indonesia. Is it Indonesia? Does that sound right? I think it was the Indonesia one. There was a Christian family in a, a, a brother's church. I heard this brother relating the story. He was in the, the church. And he, uh, he said they were due to be out on the island on Christmas vacationing. It was the Christmas, the one that came up on Christmas. They were due to be there. They had made the plans. They were anticipating going. And it was uh, uh, just before uh, uh, a week before they were ready to leave. And the, the dad had a check in his spirit. I don't think we're supposed to go. Why? I don't know. I don't think we're supposed to go. Mom didn't have the check. Kids didn't have the check. Kids are all excited. Mom's all excited. Dad has a check. I don't think we're supposed to go. Dad made the decision. We're not going. They were all very unhappy and very disappointed, but they didn't go. Christmas Day came. The wave came. The news came. We were supposed to be there. Twin Towers were struck by airplanes. We know people who had relatives who worked in that building. One of them, for some unexplained reason, never happened a day in their life before. They did not wake up to go to work until late. So they were going through the motions, going through the stuff and getting ready. Before they even left the house, the plane, first plane hit the tower. And they weren't in there. They listened to their spirit. It's a matter of life and death, folks, that you learn to listen to your spirit. But beside that, God wants to help you overcome... A lot of these things that are plaguing you that are being a problem and he will help you he will let you know what's important he will alert you to things that are going wrong before they ever go wrong rick renner shared a story one time he was out he was not teaching he was out at a meeting i think it was brother copeland's meeting somewhere and he and his wife were just at a hotel and they were just they're not scheduled to teach they were just there to enjoy it they had a driver driver was taking them to the to the meetings he had a check in his spirit. Don't go to the meeting tonight. What do you mean don't go to the meeting tonight? We're here. We're enjoying. The meetings. has been great. It's been wonderful. Don't go to the meeting tonight. He was wrestling with that for a while, and finally he just um, let it go, and he, went to the, he and his wife went to the meeting. They're driving their way on the car. Get on over to the meeting, and he turned over to his wife and says, Denise, I just can't go. It's down, I don't know what I'm supposed to do instead. I just have it that I, we are not, I am not supposed to go to this meeting. So he dropped her off, he asked the driver to take him back, went on back to the hotel. He gets back up, his room was broken into. His laptop computer was gone. And on the laptop computer, I believe, were three books not completely finished for which he had no backup copy. Gone. What did he need to do? Listen to what was in the spirit. Listen to what was in the spirit. You need to listen. You need to learn to listen to what's in your spirit. You need to learn to pick up what he wants to say. Stay in shape. Seek after God. Hear what he has to say. Accept what he has to say. When God speaks from his spirit to your spirit, you readily accept it. Because you know the voice of the shepherd. Word of God tells us that my sheep know what? They know my voice. They know my voice. Perform it. Produce something with it. Do something. Get going. And endure. Endure. Just because you got hands laid on you, just because you've been been doing something in the area of healing, doesn't mean that it's never going to show its face again. I've had people, they, they ask for stuff in prayer like this. Pray that I'm healed and that it never comes back. You know why they're saying that? I don't want to fight this battle anymore. I want to be lazy. They're not thinking that that's what they're saying, but that's really what they're saying. You cannot pray and control what the enemy does. You need to get yourself to the point. I don't care if it comes back. I am healed. I am healed. I am healed. And you go out there and and to do that. There's still some times I've gone out there and my knee wants to talk to me. But I have endurance. I am healed. I am healed. I don't come home griping about it, wondering about it. No, I am healed. I am healed. I am healed. I am set free to do the thing that I love to do. Now, when I go out and run, once in a great while, I ran on Thanksgiving Day. I ran on Thanksgiving Day, and I said, "You know what? I'm going to change it up today." And I put on Handel's Messiah. Ah, oh, it's still scripture in the background. Listen to that. Generally, I listen to teaching. When I go out running. I'm listening to teaching. Somebody's teaching. You got Brother Hagin's teaching. Oh, speaking of that, we were listening to brother um, brother brother Keith, and because I saw I saw that in the title. Oh, I didn't hear this. I think my wife had heard it the first time through. She was in the shop. I wasn't, and it kept on playing. And so um, I, I saw this. I know what he's gonna do. I gotta listen to this. And so I sure enough, he did it. He played as a DVD of brother Hagen telling you the story. I've told you many times. So I am going to find out from them if I can get a copy of the DVD that he showed his church and see if I can bring it up over here and we'll show it someone tonight. Do you remember that time I told you the story where God told him in the Spirit to give money? Yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't the one where... The, 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 it wasn't exactly the same story that I heard. It was a different one, but uh, it's still the same end result. So I'm going to see if I can get that and bring it up here so that you can all see the, the whole thing because you got to hear it from, from him. But we've got to learn to do these things. We've got to learn to, to hear... And we got to get some endurance. Folks, as Christians, we'll endure for a day or two. I'll hang on for a day or two. Man, you got to get a whole lot better than that. you got to get some endurance going on. you got to get some stuff happening. you got to be able to take when the enemy comes at you, you need to be able to hold on to it. Remember that part we were talking about? How do you know if you have retained? How do you know if you have held on to that revelation? He gave you the example of the catcher. Catcher catches the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that runner's not out until after the collision if he still has it. Under stress, under duress, what happens with the revelation that you got from God? Do you drop it? If you drop it, you never had it. That's what that's what it is in baseball. If you drop it, you never had it. You've got to hang on through the whole thing. God wants to help you with your physical things. He wants to help you with your spiritual development. He wants to help you with your relationships. He wants to help you in your work. He wants to get you promoted. He wants your business to do well. And he will tell you things. Now here's the problem. Come in. God may tell you to do things you have already done. You want a verse on that? Jesus came up to the disciples. Cast your nets on the other side. What's Peter say? <laughs> We've toiled all night. <laughs> but at your word, we'll do it. Some of the hardest things to do is when God tells you to do the same thing you did before. But this time it'll work. Hip hey, but Peter, we need tax money? Go out and go fishing. I've gone fishing many times. I've never found money in the mouth of a fish. Go out and go fishing. You'll catch a fish inside the fish's mouth. will be some money. You pay my tax and your tax. Sure enough, he did it. Sometimes God will tell us to do things that we just plain don't want to do. Go wash yourself in the River Jordan seven times. In that disgusting river? Come on, the rivers of Damascus are much nicer than the Jordan. And the servant says to him, if he had asked something hard of you, would you have done it? But he said something, wash and be clean. So he did it. He went ahead and did it. And what happened? He was clean. And we really got to get hold of this thing when people were lame and are told, get up, take up your bed and walk. That out of their mouth does not come, but I can't. I'm telling you what, folks, you need to learn this. You need to get this down. If God gives you revelation and tells you to do something and your response is, I can't. The door closed. The door closed. You need to learn not to respond that way to God. Never tell God, I can't. If you learn the voice of God and God says, do this, guess what? I can. I can. Whatever God tells you to do, I can do that. Whatever it is. Your reasonings on the inside will say, I can't. I've tried. That's reasonings. Reasonings will strip the revelation of God from you. No, what you need to do is, I can. All right, God, you want me to do that? Go through the Bible. Every single person that God says, do something that you can't do, and they did it 100% healed instantly. 100%. Instantly. Man with the withered hand, stretch forth, stretch forth your hand. I can't. <laughs> he didn't say that, did he? No, he didn't. We need to change our response. We need to hear what the voice of God is telling us. And if, if nothing else, have the response of Jairus. When the news came about Jairus' daughter, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter is dead. Jesus immediately said to him, tell me what you feel. <laughs> is that what he said? No. He didn't care what he felt. He didn't want him to say a thing. He says, don't be afraid. Only believe. It's imperative how you respond. We could spend here, we could spend another hour going through the scriptures of people who responded instantly in a wrong way or a right way. There are people in the Bible who responded in a wrong way with the instant use of their mouth. And some of them just responded inadequately. Remember a guy who was told, take the arrows, bang them on the ground? And he banged them on the ground six times. And the prophet was mad. He said, you should have, or three times, you should have banged it on the ground six or seven times. Then you would have had a a complete defeat. Now you're only going to have three victories. He was mad at his response. Your response when you hear the voice of God will change your life. It you can change it for the better. It can change it for the worse. How do you respond when God speaks revelation to you? Don't reason it out. Don't feed it to your head and reason it. Brother Hagin told us this, and I have hung on to these words among many others that he has told us. But the one, thing, one of the things he said to us was, learn to instantly obey the voice of your spirit. Those powerful words. Not just to obey. Instantly obey. Instantly. If God says it's time to pray now, that doesn't mean tonight. If God says, Do this now, it's time to do it now. Whatever it is that God says, you do it. I'll tell you what, if you learn that, you won't struggle in life the way that you do. How I many of you got a situation? Life problem, relationship problem, work problem, health problem. Something is going on. You can use the wisdom of God for Raise up your hand. God will speak to you on this. He's not trying to get you to wait weeks and weeks. We take weeks and weeks to hear. He's not into making you wait. We've got to be ready to hear. To do it, you've got to develop your spirit. Build up your spirit. On that, We talked about principles on developing your spirit before, but build up your spirit. Feed yourself on the Word of God. Brother Hagen, again, used to tell us people expect their spirit to be strong when they feed it one cold snack a week and their flesh three hot meals a day. Mm hmm. Yeah, think of it that way. Keep feeding your spirit. Don't worry, meditate the Word. Listen for the voice of God. When he gives you revelation, stop what you 're doing and write it down. Listen, He will tell you how to overcome whatever it is that you 're facing it 's not always go and be healed sometimes there 's something that you need to do but his but healing is what he wants you to do. He knows your body, he knows how he programmed it. sometimes he just tells you the things you need to do to put it back in the in the In line. You got something out of whack. You got something out of balance. Do this, you'll correct it. Just listen. It'll help you fix it up. How many times have we done this where something is going wrong in our body and we say, well, I'm just getting older. I think we all can probably say we've fallen that out a few times, haven't we? Why? I'm reasoning it out. Don't do it. What happened with Moses when he was older? He was not physically challenged at all at 120. He could have kept on going, taking the children of Israel right on in. Caleb, when he went into the promised land, what did he say? He was one of the oldest guys there. Give me the mountains. Give me the tough one. I'm going to take those mountains. Caleb did. A lot of the younger people stood around, didn't do anything, didn't take their ground. Caleb said, give me that one. That's tough. That's hard. I'll take it. He's older. I don't care. He's climbing mountains and fighting on the way up. Jonathan and the sword bearer. You know what? We need a victory. Let's go get one. Nobody else wants to fight with us. So we'll fight. Just the two of us. Let's go. Hey, Philistines, wanna come up and fight? Sure. They came one up, he starts cutting them down. Slaughtering the Philistines. Started a whole whole victory right there. Children of Israel all on one side, they're afraid. David comes in, what are you all afraid for? need to do something about this he's out and he doesn't listens to his spirit what's the spirit telling him that man's a dead man he's challenged me he's a dead man he's hearing that in his spirit he's speaking it he's dead can't you guys hear it don't don't your spirits tell you the same thing he's a dead man all you got to do is out there and go out there and collect it No, yep. are not hearing it there's a whole lot of christians folks we haven't developed our ears not hearing what we need to hear. When you hear revelation from God, it'll cut through all kinds of stuff. And it'll fix things physical, emotional, relational, economical, you name it. God will fix it. Would y'all stand up with me? Glory to God. Today is our Communion Sunday.